It is so good to be here. You know, today is my very first time that I have ever been on radio. And I just want to say there is a whole lot of nerves when we step into something that is a little different and a little new. And no matter how old, how young, or even how bold you are, when we're plunged into something out of our comfort zone, it can be a really a little bit scary. And let's face it, 2020 has been a little bit crazy. I don't need to tell any of you. And things are still changing. Most of us or most people have their children that have been starting back at school. Shops have been opening. People have been venturing out a bit more. But with that comes a whole lot of new and uncertainty too. So I just hope today that God puts a word in my heart that will encourage you no matter where you are listening from and that you feel such hope, faith and love as I share a little bit of my heart and story to you all today. I want to talk a little bit about having a hope for this future that we're in. So a little while ago, a friend of mine invited me to an event a conference in the city with a guest speaker from America by the name of Lisa Bevere. And many of you may have heard of her. Now, at the time, things were pretty intense in my world. My husband and I had two children, two beautiful baby girls, Charlotte and Lily, and we pretty much had them back to back. And as I sat in this event, I listened to Lisa talk about being a warrior and the faithfulness of God. However, however, over the last four years, I had felt anything but a warrior. For these last years, I had been a mother of a child who had been dying. My husband Joe and I had spent endless nights in the intensive care unit at the Royal Children's Hospital and also in medical specialist offices. And we were now parents of a special needs child who required full care, physically, mentally and medically, with no real certainties of how long our daughter Lily would survive or for what the future would look like. Each day and night was a mixture of drugs, monitors, alarms and learning how to step into this new life of not just being a mum but a carer and a nurse and a person whose life had now and for the foreseeable future completely changed. My husband, a six foot two blessing of a man named Joe, and I, we'd married quite young and we had decided that we'd wait a little while before having a family. And so we studied and we worked, but the time came where we wanted to add to our family. And so we jumped into the deep end and we had our first daughter, Charlotte. It was so good and we knew that we wanted to have a large brood and lots of kids. And so 12 months later, we had Lily. This then started one of the biggest battles of our lives and it was filled with so much pain, joy, love and change. So here I was sitting at this conference four years later as Lisa was speaking and there was a time at the end where we were invited to stand up and open our hearts to the faithfulness, hope and love that God had for you and me in the next season of life. And I remember this clearly because that same day, that same afternoon, I had sat in a doctor's office and was told 
that Lily would never recover, that her condition was permanent, there was no new medical treatments or solutions and we were now a family who was always going to live with disability, therapy, special needs and a short life expectancy. On top of all this, we were told that we wouldn't be able to have any more children. We came away that day with such sadness in our hearts. And on top of all this, I grieved so desperately for my future and for the love that we had for more children to come into our household. And as I was standing that night in that conference, I stood and I couldn't see a future. And I started to weep deep in my inner being for my losses, for my circumstances and for my life. Next thing, Lisa Bevere pointed my way and her finger felt like it sat burning on my heart, even though she was at least 20 metres away and was talking to probably everyone at the conference. But she said, you will be a mother of sons. Now, I don't know about you, but after the day I had just had, I thought, yep, this is not going to happen, lady. However, Lisa's words, even though impossible, were sitting deep in my heart. One year later, another visiting pastor came to the place where I worked and in front of everyone declared, Vicky, I have been praying for you and I know the Lord sees your heart. You are going to be pregnant and birth a baby boy and he is going to change the world. He is going to be famous in the sporting arena and through that platform, he will share a message of hope and love to millions. Wow. Everywhere I went for the next year, people would ask if I was pregnant and saw me with a baby boy. I was getting so conscious that I was putting on so much weight. Then another year later, This visiting pastor returned and asked me if I'd had the baby yet. And I'm thinking, how rude. The following year came and this minister came to Australia again. And yet again, he said to me, Vicky, the Lord is anointing you with a baby boy. He's coming. It will be soon. Little did these people know that every time someone said this to me, my heart would ache in loss and in expectation. And then fear and pain of life would grip my whole body. They didn't know the whole story. They didn't know what I had been going through and they didn't understand. So I sat there for the next three years and said, God, I don't think my heart could possibly go through any more. Is this real? Is this possible? When everything is saying it's impossible, is this your future for me and our family? Because I don't want to hope. I don't want to even open up my thoughts to this desire, to this thing that so I so desperately want. What happens if I take a step and risk it all? My dreams and my heart for what my life, my future was meant to look like had already completely changed and there were no certainties. There was only something deep in both my husband and my spirit that knew there had to be more to this life. There had to be more for our futures. I was in a hard place. I had many struggles and I had experienced loss 
and I had oppositions and trials and life had handed me things that I couldn't control and I was in this place that I didn't understand and it didn't make sense and I couldn't fix. And I know that hard and tough times can come to us all and life can be really a tough gig. And what we have to realise is that because life can be pretty crazy like it is right now in the world for all of us, hope is a necessity. And no matter who I talk to or what I see right now, what people are aching for is hope. Even in the pain, the fear of uncertainty, all of us want a hope for our world, a hope for our lives and a hope for our future. And most importantly, a hope that the dreams in our hearts are real. And on this particular day, when life was tough, I opened my hand and I squeezed it into a tight fist. And I heard the words deep in my spirit, Vicky, don't give up. You are a prisoner of my hope. And I thought, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a prisoner of hope? What does this mean, God? But I sat there squeezing my hand and saying it over and over. I'm a prisoner of hope. I will not let go and I will not give up. And I just want to say today, if you are struggling, if you have been doing it really tough, I want to tell you, hold on to hope today like I did. Squeeze it in a fist and don't let it go even if it's the last thing you have, if you have fallen, if you have made mistakes, if you have messed up, if you are unwell or sick or feeling trapped, I want to say this morning, life is not over for you. Life and your dreams are not done for you or for me. And I want to encourage you, there is hope today and hope for your future. Despite all the things that you are going through, despite how hard these times especially have been, your life is precious, your dreams are important and you are here in this moment of life for a reason and there is more. There is hope for you. There is hope for your children and there is hope for your family. But when I'm talking about hope, I'm not just talking about an optimistic outlook and you might know this, but when I'm talking about hope, it is completely different from our cultural society's use of the word hope. And we often hear the common phrase, I don't know about you, but people say, I hope that happens, or I hope I get this for my birthday, or I sure hope it's sunny on Saturday for my wedding or for our barbecue. But that's just wishing for something. And for years, like a lot of people, this is what I knew to be the meaning of hope. But hope, real hope, is not wishful thinking. And I want to share with you all today the real meaning of hope. Hope is the confident expectation that is built on solid certainty with a joyful anticipation of good. Hope is a confident expectation that is built on solid certainty with a joyful anticipation of good. Solid certainty. Wow, you might be saying, but Vicky, that is crazy. How do we have a joyful, confident expectation of certainty for our future? And that is a really good question. In the Bible, there is a story in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark and 
and Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 48, if you want to read along. And it is about a sick woman who has been bleeding constantly for 12 years straight, leaving her in those days legally unclean. It tells us that this poor woman had endured at the hands of many doctors and now there was nothing else that could be done. She had lived 12 years because of her condition in isolation and now was to live out the rest of her life the same way. 12 years. I don't know about you, but 12 weeks has been so interesting and crazy for me. Everything was lost for this lady. But she hears that Jesus is passing through. Jesus, who they call Saviour, the King of Kings, the Son of God, Jesus who heals, Jesus the Christ, and this Jesus who speaks of life like no other. Jesus who wasn't religious, but spoke of love greater than anything. And something in her stirs. Something in her deep, deep inside her stirs because somewhere deep inside her, she knows this is exactly what she needs. She knows this is exactly who she needs. She knows it is good. She knows that he is good. She knows this is the truth, that he is the truth. And this is her answer. He is the answer. And so she says to herself, If I could just press through the crowd and touch the bottom of his robe, I know I can be healed. I know I can have a future. She has nothing. She has lost everything, her identity, her community, her health, and ultimately her life. Except now she has a hope with confident expectation in Jesus Christ. And so she leaves her home and with faith touches his robe to be healed. And Jesus turns around and says to her, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. The Bible tells us that hope is one of our greatest gifts in life. It tells us that hope is what fuels our faith to believe. In other words, hope is an actual object and hope has a foundation because like the woman with blood knew, deep down, Jesus is the only object of our hope and God's word is our foundation of our hope. Because when everything around us is uncertain, when everything in our life looks like it's pointless or ruined, we can have certainty in Jesus and the ability of his word because that is what real hope is. It is the expectation built on the solid certainty of God, his goodness and his love. God is certain. His word is certain. His kingdom is certain. He is the Lord God that changes not. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And though we may face changes, life may change. Our circumstances may change. Our nations may change. Our leaders may change. But I know the one thing that will remain the same is Jesus, his word and his kingdom. And he is good. He will change your life 
and he will bring a love and a joy that will make you dream again. So the rest of our story, let me tell you, Joe and I decided to have hope not in the things of the world, but to stir up a hope in something bigger, something impossible, something more, a hope in God, a joyful expectation for our future and a joyful expectation and confidence for Lily and her life and her healing and to dream again about increasing our family. And so we reached out and touched the bottom of Jesus' robe. Don't get me wrong. I want to be very real with all of you listeners here today. In our hope, we said to God, okay, God, if this baby boy is real, that everyone's been speaking about, we give you one month. If this is really you, we are going to give you one month for us to be pregnant. And how many know that this is not a very big window? And if kids, if you're listening, ask your parents. One month came and went and nothing happened. But hope, faith and love is a funny thing. Something had shifted. Yes, we were still scared. Yes, we still doubted at times. We still lived in our circumstances of disability. But now our eyes and our hearts trusted God. And he's promised for our family and our circumstances. And we sat in that divine anticipation of where he was taking us. And God, as we drew into believing in him, was bigger than our schedules. He was more powerful than one month. God knew even though small, our hope was in him. So he proved himself bigger, more possible than any medical report more possible than any human limitations, greater and mightier than our plans. So three months later, when by all accounts in the natural, this could never have happened, we fell pregnant. 20 weeks later, Charlotte and her sister Lily had an envelope and on Mother's Day came in and announced that the baby was indeed a boy, as if there was any doubt. Over the course of our pregnancy, crazy things happened that could only be God. And then on the 17th of September, 2013, a baby baby boy was born in Melbourne. And by all accounts, his name was going to be Daniel, meaning God is my strength. But when he came out in the operating theatre, everyone cheered. The anaesthetist started singing crazy praise songs And the obstetrician then asked, what is the name of this mighty boy? And Joe, my husband, turned and said to everyone, his name is Judah, which means praise to God. And I'm like, Judah, where did that come from? Judah, yes, yes, I love it. And the next few years, you know, things were not that easy. You know, developmentally, Judah wasn't doing that well. Lily's health worsened and my husband Joe ended up getting really sick. Doctors were not sure what was going on on all accounts. And in all of this, one night, I was looking down in my hands and they were clenched and somewhere inside of me said, I'm holding on to hope. I'm a prisoner of hope. And I cried out to Jesus, you are the only object of my hope. 
and your word is the foundations of my hope. And so I sat and I opened the Bible and I just opened it randomly this night and it took me to the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament and it fell on chapter 9, verse 12, and it said, Return to the stronghold. Return to your God, to my promises of security and prosperity. And get this, it says, O prisoners who have hope, O prisoners of hope. It was in the Bible the whole time. And it says, even today, the Lord says, I'm declaring that I will restore double to you, my prisoner of hope. Wow. And then I keep reading 13 because I'm blown away. I'm like blown by this stage. And it said, for I will bend Judah, my bow. And I will fit that bow of Judah with Ephraim, my arrow. And Ephraim meaning fruitfulness. I will use Judah as my bow with fruitfulness. And it says, and I will stir up your sons, O Zion. And it was like God was saying, I'm going to stir through him. And the promises I've made to you that I will stir up sons and daughters over the whole earth. And I will make you like the sword of a warrior. I don't know what each and every one of you are going through right now in this season or what you've already survived. And none of us know what we will face tomorrow. But I do know this, our God is good. God who loves and loved us enough to sacrifice his precious son Jesus on the cross of Calvary to give us the greatest gift so that we could know him be loved by him, to have a life in him, have a purpose and a meaning in him, in him, that he could be our stronghold, our promise for our future. When things happen, when hard things happen, and the best thing you can manage is closing your fist around a tiny bit of hope, I'm telling you, that is enough. For God, it is enough. And don't stop wanting to hope, to believe, and allow that spark of hope to grow by trusting that God is right beside you. He is real, and this life is more than a wish or wishful thinking. But you have been created for more with dreams, passion, and purpose. I don't have all the answers to your questions. But after loving God and serving Christ as my Saviour and Lord for more than 25 years, here is what I have to say. I have walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays to trust him with all my tomorrows. I have walked with Jesus Christ for enough yesterdays to trust him with all my tomorrows. I am a prisoner of hope in Jesus Christ. As simple as it sounds to you, I hope and pray that anyone who is listening, that you can experience that same confidence, security and joy, expecting God to move in 2020 and see 2020 become the greatest years of your life. In Jeremiah in the Bible, in 29 Chapter 29, verse 11, it says, this is his promise for you today. 
for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray with me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you. So now Judah is six years old and in grade one. And it's the la- it was his last and first cross-country run at school before COVID set in. And I went to watch with all the other parents. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a little competitive. Okay, all right, that's a bit of a lie. I am st- extremely competitive and I've played sport all my life. But on school events, I tend to try and dial it down and I stand with the other parents and I cheer for everyone with my coffee in hand. But on the inside, I'm always a little competitive and nervous for my kids and I hope they do okay and have fun. Well, Judah started off and he went with the pack into the neighbouring secondary college, which we couldn't see around their oval. And it was his first run ever. And up to this point, he had been a little bit clumsy. So that word about him being famous in sport, I'm like, yep, okay, we'll go there. That's good. But they said that we were going to do a lap of this secondary college and they were then going to do a lap of our school and then come down the middle of the oval to finish the race. And as I was standing there expecting Judah to come in about the middle of the pack or maybe at the end, three boys emerge and this mother just hits me and she goes, one of them is Judah. He is in the top three and something in me goes crazy and I start yelling, that is my son. That there is my promise from God. That there is Judah Risby. He is the praise of God. He has the Lion of Judah, the Jesus, the hope of glory in him. And by this stage, all the parents are looking at me like I am that crazy person. But at this time, I don't care because my heart and my spirit and my mouth are responding to the goodness of God. Come on. And I kept yelling as Judah is running and he's coming around near me. And yep, okay, I did do it. I know you're cringing, but I did. And maybe I did start running next to him. Yeah, I did start running next to him. And I start screaming at his destiny, his future and mine, spoken by Lisa Bevere and all the pastors, ministers and people, but most importantly, God. You are the praise of God. You are the bow, the weapon that will stir up this world for God with hope, promise and fruitfulness. You are the fastest boy in the world. You are the fastest man in the world. God is blowing his trumpet. Run, boy, run, run, run. I know you're cringing, but I was doing it. And you will speak the truth and heart of God for all humanity. You will show love, reckless love like Jesus to all people. And by this time, he's winning, probably because I scared the other two boys off. And then I said, you've got it, go for home. And then I said, you mighty cheater. And before I could say the fastest animal, Judah stops running. He turns to me 20 minutes, 20 metres from the finish line and says, mum, I am not a cheater. I didn't cheat. And I'm like, what? Oh, my goodness. No, no. Yes, you're not a cheater. I meant like a lion, like a big cat that runs really fast. But I couldn't explain quick enough. And he's overtaken by the two other boys. Finally, he hears my explanation, shaking his head, and he runs over the line like a little champion. And I jump and I scream for joy. He came third. What a winner. So watch this space. The future is assured. So today 
I want to leave you with the three things. One, Jesus is here. He is alive and he is real and he wants to be your saviour, your Lord and your hope today. If you want more, if you deep, deep down know that there is more for your life and more for your future, Jesus is inviting you to just grab hold of him and give him your heart. And from this day, you will never be defined by your condition, but by your position as a child of God. Number two, it's time for us, some of us, to touch the robe of Jesus again. Because Jesus is not just our hope, he is our victory. He is the God of signs, miracles, wonders and healings. He is a good, good God. And when we touch him, his promise is that he will come running. He says, if I'm for you, who can be against you? He says in the book of Romans, in his word. And then in Luke 8, he says, what is impossible for people is so possible with God, with me. So touch his robe and see God work in your life. And number three, in moments like these, in isolation and in hardships, when sometimes we can forget who we are and who we were created to be, finally, you are here for such a time as this. You have a future. You have a story where the book is not done yet and you have some exciting chapters to go. You might not have had a crazy parent screaming out who you are and your purposes. But I want to tell you today, start speaking out the dreams of your heart again, the ones you thought were never possible. And I tell you, I am standing with you. And I tell you, all of heaven are cheering and declaring as they shout and sing over you. That is God's kid. You are amazing. Your future is amazing. Amen. I want to invite you today to finish by praying with me. So I don't know where you are, but I'm just going to pray and and have God just come and really bless this word and bless your lives. So God, Heavenly Father, we love you so much today and we thank you that you are a God of hope. You are our hope and that in anything that we are going through right now, you said that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So God, it might be the first time some of us are drawing in. And so God, today we're drawing into you. And Lord, we are confessing with our mouths and knowing in our hearts today that Jesus, you are our Lord. And God, today for anyone who feels like their life is over, that they're put in a circumstance that they feel like they have no hope or future. I pray, Lord, that they reach out and touch your robe and believe that you are the hope of glory and that you are mighty and you can do incredible things through the power of your Holy Spirit to give them more, to fulfill their dreams in you and to show them that you are the way, the truth and the life. And lastly, God, I pray that people dream again for 2020 and dream again for a future in you.
we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message and we thank you for all our incredible listeners in his mighty name. Amen.